This is MMA Fight Coverage here on YouTube and on other platforms. Joining us at this time is a man who truly needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway because he's a gentleman, he's a scholar. And when it comes to fighters in the octagon, well, few have done it better. This man has faced a litany of who's who when it comes to the 170-pound weight class and has beaten quite a few of them as well. Uh, he's a U.S. Army Ranger. I believe he also played football collegiately, was on the Ultimate Fighter season 16. Uh, again, it, it, the man is, uh, has a resume that few others can boast of. And coming up here on November 5th at uh, Mitchell versus Ivalov UFC fight night, he will be facing the surging Daniel Rodriguez. He is the one and only Neil Magny joins us here on the show. Neil, thank you very much for taking time out to join us. How are you doing tonight? Oh, no problem, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, good. Hey, thanks for again for taking time out of your busy to join us. Now, first things first, did I get any? Did there's there any accomplishments of yours I missed there besides being also a proud father? That's the biggest accomplishment <laughs> of all, one myself, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, that's the number one job that uh, that, that most prideful of, but uh, uh, I kind of got overzealous there. Like, uh, I haven't, I have not been an Army Ranger. I was Army veteran for seven years, but I was not an Army Ranger. Uh, but other than that, pretty much was uh, right on track with everything. <laughs> gotcha. So, not the Ranger. Maybe I was thinking of Colton Smith, your teammate on the Ultimate Fighter, that was a ranger. But you were Army. I mean, listen, you served for seven years in this country. That that takes more brass than a lot of people have. So my my, my oh, hats God. off to you. Where, where where did you serve at? Where what uh, what uh, basis did you did you serve at? Uh, so I joined uh, initially through the Illinois Army National Guard, and then from there, uh, I spent a lot of time active doing Army combatants and that kind of thing down in Fort Benning. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, pretty much spent a lot of my time uh, down in Georgia doing Army combatants and that kind of thing. Uh, when I first joined up, I was a, a communication specialist, so I was doing a lot of work with that um, and just kind of stuck with it for like seven years, like you said. So I know we've seen a couple of people make the successful transition from, you know, the Army combatives to pro professional mixed martial arts. What do you think having that time in the Army did to help you prepare for your successful UFC career and your successful MMA career as well? Um, the biggest thing is just the mental attitude that it gives you. I mean, uh, when I get when I go out there and, and fight, it's, I realize there's something I get to do. Um, a lot of people you would see um, – we can't use the analogy like, oh, yeah, fights like going to war, fights like going to war. And I'm like, yeah, it's not even close. Um, because of what I've been through the Army, uh, going into a fight is probably one of, uh, um, I want to say, necessarily easiest things that, I, that I've ever done. Um, but it's definitely on the list of, like, uh, um, most convenient things I can do. Um, I don't have the fear of going in there and fighting. I don't have to convince myself that, like, oh, man, this, this guy's dangerous. This guy's scary. Um, go out there and protect yourself. Um, I've been through some of the worst things throughout my life. And uh, for me to get the opportunity to go out there and compete uh, mixed martial arts is literally doing something that I love. I don't see any fear in it whatsoever. Um, and I enjoy every single second of it. So um, I think that's definitely something that the Army helped mold me into, where it's like there's nothing I'm seeing out the gun that's going to, like, uh, terrify me or put me in a place where I might be afraid of the outcome. Sorry to interrupt you too, Jay. What years were you we deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan? I was in Iraq in 04, if just curious. Uh, in 2007 to 2008. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Right. Good thing, Jeff. <laughs> you know, and I know before anybody listens to this and takes this the wrong way, because I know a couple of fighters have said the same thing, that, you know, after after serving in combat and after serving in, in wars, that, you know, listen, when you get to that UFC octagon, it's 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 a different world. And by no means is Neil saying that it's it's – Listen, you have to be a select few to get inside that octagon. Not everybody <laughs> and their father can do it. 
Um, but but we're, we're talking two different worlds. I mean, these are absolute trained war. These are trained f- professional fighters out there. For and sure. you better be on your A gamer. It's going to be a quick night at the office, not necessarily a, a painless one either. But you take <laughs> one wrong step in combat and you're losing your life, your life and possibly the lives of 10 others as well, if not a battery of others. So I think that's what people often get mistaken when people that are that have served in wars bring that up that, you know, because you'll see the mixed martial arts community, which often can be. You no, know, you know it well. The, the fan base can be pretty rabid when people say stuff like that, but I think they misinterpret sure. that when they say that, you know, this is not is nearly as grueling as war. I think people take it the wrong way entirely, and they shouldn't. For sure. Yeah, just like, just like you said, it's one of those things, like, based on the experience, I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's a very privileged thing I'm allowed to do to go out there and compete and do what I love uh, for a living. I mean, that's a very... Um, honorable privilege thing to be able to do um and on the other side what i um had to do prior to to write for myself and write for my family uh, are, are are far different uh realities so um the fact that i'm fortunate enough to do this for a living now and uh and wake up every single day and enjoy it i'm definitely grateful for it absolutely now neil you're going on over a decade talking about the ufc you're going on over a decade in the ufc in fact in february it will be 10 years exactly that since you made your ufc debut been a decade since you appeared on the ultimate fighter and the, the litany of people you faced and beaten, I mean, Gassim Udlamov, who was a big name at the time, Alex Garcia, uh, you know, Eric Silva, who at one time was considered one of the top prospects in all of MMA, not just at 170 pounds, Hector Lombard, Johnny Hendricks, a former champ, Carlos Condit, Robbie Lawler, Jeff Neal, Michael Chies. I mean, we could sit there and name your resume. I could do an entire resume of people you've beaten, not to mention the guys you faced and given them hell in a handbasket. Yet it seems like you're continuously, when we talk about the grades at 170 pounds, you're chronically overlooked. Does, does that something that sort of uh, gets in your craw a little bit? Or what do you think you have to do to prove these people? Look, I- I'm right up there with the best of the best. Um, honestly, the fact that I'm still here 10 years later, I mean, shows that, uh, uh, allows me to believe that, like, maybe it's not necessarily being overlooked necessarily. Uh, I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I know that for a fact I'm one of the best out there to ever do this at 170. Um, I just go out there and prove it time and time again. I'll face the, the, the young prospects. I'll face the veterans. Um, I'll face the guys in different weight classes. Uh, whatever it takes for me to go out there and prove I'm one of the best out there that's ever do the sport, I'm going to go out there and do. And it's not like, uh... A uh, thing that I do at my convenience, I do it at, at a drop of a dime to to face anyone. Or it's like, hey, we have a fight for you. It's in three weeks. Are you willing to take it? Yes, yeah, sign me up. Um, so I, and I, I don't necessarily hold those things like uh, um, like an excuse or a clutch. I mean, there's been fights that I took on a week's notice and fought great. There's been fights I took on uh, Tony's notice and fought terribly. Um, for me, it's all about going out there and competing against the best in the world, whether you're um, – an up-and-coming guy or, or a current champ, a former champ, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm out here to try and fight the best of the best. Um, and I feel like that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years of my career. Um, and I see, I don't see myself slowing down and, and uh, shying away from that anytime soon. There are some fighters, Neil, that, and I think you alluded to this, that absolutely take pride in being, I don't want to say that measuring stick because that makes you sound like you're a certain level and you're certainly not that. You're that guy, though, that, they, they, they take pride in being, look, anybody, anytime, any place. And you step in that cage with Neil Magny, you're, you're in for the fight of your life. You know, you're nobody's, you're nobody's stepping stone. And I think that's the one thing that you take a lot of pride in is, look, I'm the guy that, you know, you better come to fight every night. If you think you're coming in there and you're looking past me to get to, uh, to, get to the Hazmat or the, you know, the, 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 the championship fight, that, then that's the biggest mistake you're going to make because you're going to be the one that's going to be pushed to the back of the line. <laughs> 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like I made a career out of doing just that. I mean, there's been so many fights that uh, uh, in the past I felt the guys have overlooked me or whatever else may be. Um, and it definitely turned around and bit them in the butt, so to speak. Um, and it's just the way that the sport plays out. I mean, I, I don't necessarily um, take that personal or anything like that. I mean, the thing I take most personal when someone accepts a fight against me is like, oh, you said yes to the fight. You must obviously think you're going to beat me. So um, at that point, it's already a personal thing. So uh, whether or not that person thinks I'm a pushover or easy fighter or stepping stone, um, that part doesn't matter to me one way or another. Um, the fact that they even accepted the fight and and had some idea or hope that they were going to win it uh, was enough for me to get fired up and uh, go out there and give my best. You got a, another one coming up here, another one of those fighters that people have. Uh, there's some hype surrounding them, and you've been that. I'm not saying – I don't say the hype killer. You've been the guy that does put out a few of those flames. Uh, you know, and this gentleman, um, Daniel Rodriguez, you know, he's – Again, he was on that – last time we saw him, he was on that uh, – shall I call it the fight card from hell where everything fell apart in 24 <laughs> hours. Uh, you guys actually were supposed to fight October 15th, correct? Yeah, we were supposed to fight last weekend. Uh, a couple things got moved. Uh, I think he had some kind of injury throughout training or something like that. Um, he said he should be good to go three weeks later. So um, I agreed to so we moved the fight to November 5th, and uh, here we are. Okay, so two-part question about that then. Number one, what are your thoughts on Daniel as an opponent? Um, he's a tough dude for sure. I mean, right now, I think he's uh, one, lost one fight you've seen and won all of his other ones uh, pretty decisively for the most part. Um, I know some people might uh, question the last one, but I think he uh, did a great job regardless of uh, uh, what the outcome of the fight was. I, he showed a lot of uh, um, good things or whatever. Um, so uh, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for that fight. Uh, I know he's a young up-and-comer, like you mentioned before. One of those guys going out, looking to go out there and, and uh, make a statement, make a name, so to speak. So um, being that guy standing in front of him, I know what kind of fight um, he's going to bring, and I'm excited for that kind of matchup. Now, second part to this, you get, he was taking that fight on insanely short notice, which my hat's off to anybody that's willing to take that kind of fight. And, you know, his fight with, uh, with Yi was uh, with somebody. You, you've shared the cage with Yi. That's never an easy night in the office either. Uh, but for him to take a fight with you up that quickly was, was shall I say, uh, lack of a better term, ballsy. Uh, but do you feel like that this extra time is more beneficial to you? Or do you feel like, you know, him having it, catching him on that quick turnover? Uh, how do you feel about that? I'll be honest. I want to find him at his best. I don't want. I don't want him to have any excuse. If he feels like he needs more time for for this fight, then um, go ahead and take all the time you need. I don't. I. Uh, um, I literally look forward to fighting the best guys in my division. I don't want to fight a guy who um, maybe had a flu, maybe had this going on. Like if you um, say like, "Hey, I'll be my best November fifth to fight," and let's move the fight to then. Um, that's when we're fighting. I mean, even when he first got injured, um, I didn't do any research to find out what he injured. I didn't do any research to find out. Um, any like potential uh, openings I can get in a fight thing like that. I kind of just really wish the guy the best and hope that he uh, shows up on fight night the best version of himself. That way uh, we can both go out there and bring the best out of one another. Um, so the fact that he believes that he'll be ready to go November 5th uh, was just that much more exciting for me. Now, without giving too much away, because I never ask strategy out of fighters because, you know, they don't strategy there's no such thing in MMA for one and two you don't you don't tip your cap in a game of chess like this but uh what do you think your biggest strengths heading into this fight are against uh against him um, I think the biggest thing when it comes down to it is going out there and uh, and, and meet a striking department. I mean, you watch how he fought against Julian Yang in his last fight. Um, there were several uh, openings in, in the striking department that he definitely um, didn't necessarily capitalize on. And I feel like, uh, unlike Julian Yang, I could definitely capitalize on those uh, moments and opportunities. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to go out there and doing. 
In terms of this fight, now we, we mentioned before, you, you're one of those guys that seems like they're overlooked far more often than you should be. You get out there, and I know you're not looking ahead. I know you're not looking any further past uh, no, November 5th. You get out there, you pick up a decisive win over, over Daniel. Where do you think that puts you in that 170-pound pecking order? Do you think that they finally, the, the matchmakers, give you the respect you deserve and put you into that uh, title contention that you, I think, have been long-deserving? Um, it, I mean, it's one of those things that definitely gives me, takes me a step further. Doesn't necessarily put me up there in the top five guy. Um, it slowly depends on what I go out there and do. Um, I go out there and, and freaking put on a performance of lights on. Uh, I guarantee I'm finding a top five guy next. Um, so for me, it's more so focusing on that kind of pressure that I put on myself. Um, uh, it's not necessarily what, uh, the matchmakers or whoever else is going to decide on. Um, uh, performance that I'm going to put on there and the fan, the fight that, um, the fans would demand to see. So, uh, for me, it's taking control of everyone else's hands and put it in my own hands where um i go out there get the job done and do it in amazing fashion um the fans are going to start demanding like i want to see neil fight so and so next uh so for me that's kind of where uh, my mindset is and that's kind of where what the uh, the game plan is at this point go out there and get it done um allow the fans to really um step up and say like all right cool i seen the version neil i want to see him face so and so next and um i feel like that's the best way to do it now, those that have never seen neil magni fight before somebody's flipping through the channels you know, they're, it's, uh, you know, halftime at a high at a college football game. They click on it. They click on the channel. They see your fight here on UFC Fight Night. And Neil Magny's up to fight. You know, it's Neil Magny. It's Daniel Rodriguez. What can they expect to see from you? What did, uh, what, if you're selling yourself, what are they going to, what are they going to look oh, forward to? Why should they keep that fight on? Why should they not change the channel? <laughs> Yeah, it's to be nonstop pressure from beginning to end. I'm be out there pushing the pace uh, and putting a beat on Dan Rodriguez from beginning to end. So if you tune in at one minute uh, or if the fight even goes 15 minutes, you'll see a beginning from uh, a beating from beginning to end. I'm going to go out there and make a statement and prove a point. Um, and it's nothing personal against Dan Rodriguez. I just feel like I need to go out there uh, and perform to the best of my abilities in order for me to get to uh, where I'm trying to go. He's just a man standing away right now. Uh, so if you're just flicking through or if you've never seen a fight for, uh, Lee fight before, uh, I guarantee you'll be in for a showcase this time ladies and gentlemen believe me he's not just he's much more than just a well-spoken gentleman he's a uh and a scholar he's a hell of a fighter too believe me there's never more <laughs> fight in the office when neil magny is in the cage and he is the king of anybody anytime any place and uh believe me if you got if you get caught sleeping in the wheel well that's your first mistake neil uh <laughs> it's always a pleasure talking to you my friend any sponsors you'd like to thank any um you know any words you'd like to pass out social media etc Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like always bigger to me. I mean, uh, if you guys get a chance, check out mission111.org. Uh, it's a great organization that I work with. They do mission work in uh, both Haiti and the Philippines. Uh, so if you guys get a chance, check out mission111.org. Can you can you explain a little bit about that real quick? Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's an organization that I, I know the uh, the two people who run it. They're uh, uh, one is a pastor out of uh, uh, Granite City, Illinois, who uh, I met he and him and his son back in college uh, when I was training at Hit Squad, um, and his wife is also uh, on board as well for the organization. Um, and they do, like I said, they do a bunch of great work in the, in the Philippines, in Haiti, um, and also some mission trips here uh, in the U.S. Uh, as well. Like if people are um, going, going to go back to school and so there are families that are like uh, needing school supplies with backpacks, uh, they're a kind of organization that steps up, make sure that those needs are met. Um, and when it comes to doing mission work overseas, um, they're constantly looking at ways to provide um, people abroad with things that they need as well, whether it's uh, health care, clothing, um, food or housing. Uh, they do whatever they can to help people meet their needs. 
Um, like right now in Haiti, they run a, uh, a children's house that has roughly, uh, I want to say 10 to 12 uh, uh, orphans that kind of grew up through the uh, organization. Um, and they, they pretty much provided them a way to um, get their schooling from pretty much grade school through high school and hopefully um, we'll be able to get set up where these guys ever get some kind of tech school or college as well. Um, and they also run uh, school programs where um, kids are able to go out there and like get an education and, and as well as uh, uh, get a hot meal for a day as well. I mean, um, I'm not sure how much you guys know about Haiti, but uh, being able to get a hot meal every single day is uh, uh, a privilege that many people out there don't get. Uh, so for a lot of these kids to be able to go in there and get an education and get a hot meal provided for them uh, on a daily basis is huge for a lot of them. So um i started i actually went out there to haiti with them uh three times now i believe um and they just do amazing work there every time i go i come back uh uh wanting to be more wanting to do more motivated than before i even went out there um it has been excited to see um the work that they've done and how it paid off over the years awesome. oh that is that is awesome and that's something that you know hot meal that's something meal that i think a lot of us take for granted yeah. i think that's something education is something a lot of us take for granted and for you put sure. that in perspective and uh i want you to do me a favor if you can uh get my number from carlos reach out to me i want to help out with this if i can if there's something anything uh, to help uh, let me know i'd like to you know help out even if it's still a mission trip and see what i can do to be part of this okay awesome for sure that'd be great thank you you're welcome uh, awesome thanks uh, have a great day keep going jay sorry awesome thank you guys so much have a good one you, you too, too take it easy